Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Mining Stock Daily. We're going to conclude this week with some market analysis uh, with a new guest. This is tomorrow morning. We'll be airing the long form episode of the podcast with former Fed staffer, Mr. Joseph Wang. So that's going to be a great episode to air for your long weekend. But today we're welcoming in, welcoming in Cam Curry. He's a principal over at Curry Metals and Mining Group and also a senior investment advisor at Canaccord Genuity Corp. Uh, we'll preface by saying nothing said here in this episode should be taken as investment advice, but I'm happy to have Cam on here because, Cam, we've got a little bit of a, a new bull market, it seems like, in precious metals, don't we? Well, it's been going on for a while. It's just that it's been stealth. And I think, you know, quite honestly, this is the first week where we actually had some narrative in the marketplace. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I keep on driving home is, you know, gold is an asset class, is the best performing asset class in the planet going through 2000 this this week and um, with no fanfare. And, uh, and everyone's still looking down at the big playing field below, trying to figure out if Tesla's a great buyer, if the banks are great buyers right now. And so this was the first week where we actually saw some people going, wait a second here, this dollar, like, you know, the dollar is having this weakness and this de-dollarization talk started coming to the narrative. And some people were attaching that with the gold. So it was, it was a very interesting week in terms of narrative teaser, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are you observing here? Who's coming in? And if we just stick with the metal itself, who's coming in and buying the metal? Because you're right. We have seen a lot of this de-dollarization narrative, I have been out there saying it's way overdone, way too speculative, way too fear-mongering, but it is hitting mainstream media. And so a lot of, you know, common people who watch the mainstream media, they're picking up on this. Are those people coming in and buying precious metals, the bullion? Well, it's interesting. The topic now is starting to come to surface because of the, I call it the autocracies versus democracies. And Autocracy is obviously being led by China-Russia coalition. And we're seeing a greater escalation in narrative around the world and more brazen moves, I may add, uh, by these autocracies. And so that is what's starting to bring in the question about the U.S. dollar as reserve currency. What people have to understand is last year was actually the very big, big shift in central banks towards gold. Uh, Most people don't know this, but the Eastern banks bought over 1,700 tons of gold last year, by far a record record amount. And what you're seeing is, with the U.S. dollar being weaponized with the, with, uh, the Russian situation, that's just the tip of really what's going on. You're seeing these autocracies basically formalize themselves in the new G8, and you're seeing a movement or a, a coalition that's looking at challenging the um, reserve currency of the U.S. dollar. And they're starting to move money from U.S. dollar into gold. Gold is one of the top three reserve currencies in the world. Most people in North America don't even know that. What are they doing with the gold? Just storing it for a rainy storing day? It. Storing it. Storing, well, again, you know, the thing is, you know, the weaponized the dollar uh, you mm-hmm. know, and with Russia. And if you're India, for example, in India right now, their import of oil from Russia is up 33-fold. So is there a risk there that the U.S. government starts trying to penalize them with some some trade sanctions or weaponization or whatever? So what are they buying? If they're selling the U.S. dollars, they're not buying the euro, they're not buying the Canadian dollar, right? Yeah, right, right. So is, is I mean, is, is I, I know like Ghana, gold is being used for settlement for oil. 
I, are there other countries yes. doing similar, you know, making similar moves? Well, it's not just a, a gold story. It's it's really a Chinese remimbi story because now this past week you saw, I mean, LNG from France uh, to uh, to China trade, trading in remimbi, not U.S. dollars. Uh, one of the big things this year, this week, um, a lot of people aren't aware of this, but on last Sunday, a week ago, Saudi Aramco, which is Saudi Arabia's biggest oil company, is going to build a refinery in China. And then on Tuesday, Saudi Arabia voted and they're joining the, the G8. Now, you have to understand, the Saudi uh, position on oil is one of the cornerstones of the petrodollar. And now they're starting to look at trading in the Chinese currency. And we don't know how it's going to come about, but the Eastern banks are buying gold all day long. And this new competitive currency, the US dollar, is going to have some sort of gold backing to it. And we don't know the formation of that. But this is a trend that had that started and it's continuing, and now it's getting more recognized and it's far from over. Uh back to the the precious metals. We've had really pretty strong big moves in both gold and silver here. And right. you know, I I guess a general question, if you were surprised by the strength of this move, given this $400 rise in gold, and uh, I can't even do the a couple bucks in silver, I guess you could say, uh, you know, is this move surprising you? And what does this mean about the strength of the move? It doesn't surprise me at all. In fact, I think more than anything else, I think the the gold market was very surprised last year. Last year, we had a war, we had inflation, we had financial risk. And gold went down. But people have to understand that gold went down in US dollars because everyone ran to US dollars with a yield spike. And in dollar terms, gold went down. But gold and every other currency went up. In fact, I was looking at a chart yesterday, and I think there's 15 currencies in the world, lead currencies in the world, where gold's trading at all time highs. So I'm not surprised. It's just that it's all about the dollar. And I was mm -hmm. just shocked to see the dollar go so exponential last year. But here's the thing you have to understand about that. A lot of these emerging markets, and because the U.S. dollar is a reserve currency, a lot of these countries have their debt denominated in U.S. dollars. Well, last year was extremely painful for them because their debt costs went up substantially as the dollar appreciated. So they got hurt and their currencies went down. But what's interesting, like in Turkey, for example, and these other countries, gold traded at all-time highs. So gold served its purpose as an asset class for them, and they got hurt by the U.S. dollar. So what they're doing now is they're realizing a shift is required. And the Western world, is quite honestly, is oblivious to it. <laughs> why do you think that is? I agree with you. I'm up to speculation myself of why it is. Why are we so oblivious to this ever-changing world? It's changing every day, Cam. Well, okay. Zero interest rates for 10 years created bad investment habits, asset price bubbles, and complacency. And so everyone still is thinking about that world. They're still looking down from above at the, at the stadium floor and playing that game, thinking, okay, should be buying this, this, that, because that's what they were doing. And so it's what's surprising about what's going on right now is that the, the, the attention towards it and towards gold hasn't taken place because one, Bitcoin, Bitcoin uh, took the thunder, and two, Everyone was chasing all the story stocks in America. So there was no need for gold as an asset class. It's the Eastern world that's recognized what the Western world has been doing. And they're, they're voting 
against the US dollar at this point. So it's I think now in the next six months, I think the US is going to become much more aware of the fact that dollar is being challenged as a reserve currency. And as an alternative, gold has is an asset class you have to own. And more importantly, from my perspective, gold equities, because they provide the leverage to the gold price. Uh, I met, you know, we're, we all know that gold has had a really big move. And I asked this question to a prior guest today, even. So I'm going to pose the same one to you. Uh, there's still a chance that the Federal Reserve will come in next month and raise a quarter of a point. I, I think that plot is about a 40 to 50% chance, last I saw or heard this week. Uh, let uh, not speculate on what the Fed will do, but let's. Uh, let's uh, pontificate that they do raise another quarter point. Does gold and silver have that raise built into its current price? You, you know, I don't know because, you know, <laughs> we're you're talking about short-term opposed to the big trend mm -hmm. and I'm playing the big trend shift that's taking place. And um, so to answer your question, if they raise rates more, they're putting greater strain on the financial system of America. Okay, and it's just not America. I mean, you, 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 to remind the viewers, last October, you recall that the Bank of England stepped in and liquefied 85 billion pounds into the system because two pension funds were going insolvent. That to me was the first tremor of the effect of, of the interest rate spike because a lot of these pension funds have borrowed off of free money and bought assets leveraged up in order to meet their objectives of trying to get seven and three quarter percent annualized rate return. Well, that works in a zero interest rate environment. All of a sudden, interest rates go up substantially, your borrowing costs go up substantially, and the principal value of your investment goes down. Case in point, we just saw with Silicon Valley. Now, last year was the first year in 40 years where both bonds and equities both underperformed. First year in 40 years. So that barbell safety portfolio didn't work. And so stocks were down on average 20%, bonds down 15%. Gold was the only asset class that went up. But here's the question. What's under the hood of the pension funds in North America? How are they going to meet their seven and three quarter percent annualized rate of return when they're down 15, 20 percent? Mm -hmm. And this is the beginning in our view. So right. right. Yeah. It, one it definitely pays. So interest rates, interest rates yeah. only magnify the problem. And for us, I mean, employment is a laggy indicator. All the other indicators are are, are uh, inverted yield curves around the world, we're going to recession. And the fact that people are debating it still tells me it's not just going to be the, the run of the mill recession. I think it's going to be a lot more because again, asset prices got inflated beyond beyond because of free interest rates for, or zero interest rates for 10 years. So you're talking about bubbles in real estate, stocks, and bonds. We saw the stock bubble get pierced in all the speculative uh, NASDAQ disruptor stocks. But everyone still ran to the safe havens of the Microsofts and the Apples because they have, still have to be in. But I don't know. It, to me, it looks like we're in the early stages of a bear market. Let me ask you about the precious metal equities. Uh, specifically, uh, let's talk about the big boys and then maybe table a conversation about uh, the junior exploration stocks. I, uh, the higher the gold prices ran, the better the big gold producers have performed. What are you observing on your end regarding inflow capital into these companies? Well, first of all, there's no inflows into the gold funds, okay? Because gold buyers are gold buyers, equity buyers are equity buyers. Mm -hmm. And the narrative hasn't even started shifting towards precious metals. Stocks have performed. We have three of our stocks, senior companies trading at new highs now. But when it comes to mark money flows, 
we'll we'll see and feel it because the market cap of the entire gold industry and the equity markets is less than Home Depot. Now think about that. Mm -hmm. So when people decide they have to own gold stocks, it's not going to take a lot of money to move in. So you know the, the stocks in a lot of ways have severely lagged the gold price because nobody believes this move, but nobody understands this move. As they understand this move and gold stays above 2000, then people will recognize the shift of change. And then, then the narrative will start. And this is the first week, actually, we saw on CNBC. Uh, talk, one of the strategy guys came out and talked about, if you believe in a slowing economy, sell your John Deere and buy Newmont. Well, that's the first time we've seen that. So it's a, it's the finger of the narrative shift. So quite honestly, the, we're big buyers of the equities right now because they've lagged the gold price. And so there's this incredible opportunity with the gold stocks right now. Which equities? If you which basket equities? The big producers well, or the junior the juniors? You know, it depends on your risk tolerance. Okay, so right. you can be buying some of the seniors and getting a three percent dividend yield. Mid tier producers, developers. I don't play in the junior exploration drill hole uh, stories because that's a needle in the haystack. But we're buying some companies that are going to production or. Um, it just started production that are trading at 0.2 times NAF, whereas Newmont's and Barrick's and that are trading at one times NAF. And that's based on 1850 gold, not 2000 gold. So as the confidence in this move happens, then the money moves from the engines, which are the big caps, into the mid tiers, and then eventually going to the developers. And that's the other thing too, Trevor, that people don't understand. Because there was no money going into the ground for years and years and years, there's a scarcity of assets. Mm -hmm. So even if gold went to $2,500 tomorrow and there's pressure to put other assets into production, there's very, very few out there. So then the M&A game starts up big time. And that's quite honestly what we specialize in. You mentioned not necessarily pinpointing sentiment per se, but you've talked about sentiment. Like a lot of people aren't trusting this move yet. And you can see it in this dislocation between the move in the metals and what you're seeing in the equities um, you know, despite the the big producers, you know, having a nice move, there's still this big dislocation. I'm just curious, have you given this any thought of what will be that trigger for a gentle general shift in mood? Because even in my, you know, many circles in this sector, there are a number of people that have been involved in gold equities that still don't trust this move. <laughs> and if some of us don't trust it, then why would the rest of the world trust it? I get that. And let's face it, last year when gold price you know, got hammered, when the US dollar went up and rising costs came along into the margin of the gold companies, there was a lot of a lot of companies that got hurt. And uh, and there was a lot of cost overrides on buildouts and that. So there's a lot of damage done to the confidence. Totally get that. Um, but what's going to shift here is a narrative shift. And I gave a speech last year about narrative economics. And if you think about what drove the NASDAQ, stocks where they are. Most people don't realize this either, but 85% of the volumes on these stocks are quants and algos and ETFs. Mm -hmm. So right now there's no ETF weightings and golds. Okay. And so it's a narrative shift that's slowly starting to take place here. And this is the first week I'll say where we actually heard more of it. And so there'll be a critical mass of narrative and that narrative will draw money into the ETFs that spray into the underlying stocks. And, you know, we really haven't seen that tag yet. So it's it's about the narrative. You know, people, unfortunately, are like sheep. And to be there by yourself, no one likes to be at the bottom. And you look at Michael Burry in the big short. Just He mm -hmm. was absolutely right. But at the very end, when before he started being right, he was the loneliest man on the planet. 
any general thoughts on base metals, specifically copper, if we are love, going to love, hit an e love base metals, love base metals. And, e uh, you know, <laughs> simply I'll say to the viewers, hop in your car, drive around, and you'll realize 95% of the cars out there are gas, 5% electric. Every one of those cars has 180 pounds of copper in it. That copper has to come from somewhere. And then you have to charge it and you have to electrify it. And what people don't realize is there's no new copper projects coming down the pipeline. And, and the ones that are potentially in the pipeline are four or five billion dollar CapEx builds. And they'll take three, four years to be in production. And there's a scarcity of assets and there's a, a significant increase in, in demand coming. And, you know, again, one of the other issues, too, is China and Russia control a lot of the uh, copper, copper assets and copper refining. China refines 80 percent of the copper in the world. So with the with this cold war going on with with China right now, you know copper price can be wherever it wants, but you got to get the physical, and they aren't even permitting any new projects in North America these days. And sorry, in the United States, this green movement is almost hypocritical because you want to be green, but you need copper to do it, but you right. won't permit any new mines. Do you any hesitation? I mean, I generally have a little bit of hesitation. If we are going to approach a recession, you said you you felt this upcoming recession could be very hard felt and deep. Are you still? I mean, I understand the long term thesis behind copper, but is there a midterm concern there that you just Absolutely. want to be careful about? Absolutely. Again, you know, copper right now, long term, we know where it's going. Um, short term, you know, I'm I'm neutral right now. We have our core positions. I'm staying with them because you just don't know what can happen. But uh, in terms of getting very, very aggressive on it right now, I'm, a, I'm in the camp that this is going to be a harder recession than people think. And I think that when, when the narrative and the reality of that recession is in play, where bad news is bad news, that'll probably be the last opportunity to be, to be buying the copper stocks. Because after that, as long as the government stay in their mandate to, to create these EV movements by 2035, there's just no projects coming in the pipeline. Uh, I would love if you could give us kind of a general uh, walkthrough of, I mean, we understand what a senior investment advisor at Canaccord does. I would, I would hope everybody does. But Curry Metals and Mining, uh, th this group, what, what exactly is it? What kind of services are you providing? Okay. Thank you. Thanks for the question. Um, first of all, um, Curry Metals and Mining Group it, it represents our team. But our team is an appendage of the of the Canaccord Metals and Mining Group. I work very, very closely with our bankers, our analysts, and uh, our whole team. And, and again, we're global. We have offices around the world. And for some people that are watching this, they may not be aware of it. Canada is the mining capital of the world. And Canaccord Genuity, we are the number one mining house in Canada. And so we're specialists. We're specialists in that with the intel of our team. So Curry Metals and Mining Group, I basically go to investors, high net worth family offices, and uh, explain to them why they should have five to ten percent of their of their investments in metals and mining. And uh, you know, 30, 40 years ago, that was just standard. So our group is our group, but our group is an appendage of the expertise of our team, which is a global team. And so I've got incredible resources. On top of that, I deal with a lot of uh, senior mining executives as clients, so I have great intel into the industries. I have a great pulse on what's going on. So really, that's what our team is. Our team is our clients that work with us and our team at Canaccord.
All right. You can uh, look them up, currymetalsandmining.com. Cam, I really appreciate you giving us some time. Uh, this is after market close, holiday day tomorrow, long weekend. So have a great Easter weekend, and uh, we will see how things pick up again on Monday. Sounds great. Trevor, thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. That's market commentary from Cam Curry. Yeah, we'll be back tomorrow morning with a long form, everybody. Have a wonderful evening. Be well. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.